Always remember to consult with your physicians before making any changes to your current treatment plan. Hi, and welcome to Living with Scanxiety. This is your host, Rosaria Kozar. Today I have with me Christina Johnson, wife and mother of four children. She is a well-known author and motivational speaker in the world of pediatric cancer. She faced the unthinkable, like many of you out there listening today. Her son at the age of one was diagnosed six weeks before she was set to graduate from college. She became a momcologist, which led her to documenting her feelings during her son's journey. But there's more to that story, and I'll let her expand on that in just a moment. More importantly, I hope parents that are listening to this episode can connect with her and possibly process some of those challenges you will or are facing as primary caregivers today. So with that, welcome, Christina, and I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm super excited that you could take time to be here with us today and share your story. So I always start with, can you tell us your story? Would you mind doing that for us? I'd love to hear about your son. My son's um, name is David. Um, We call him King David. King David was um, sick one day. He got a fever and it was fever of 103. So we took him to the hospital and we were told that he had an ear infection. He was still playful, still full of energy. But I started to notice that on the bottom of his stomach, it resembled like a football. So there was a change in appearance. He started to get taller um, and slimmer. So I got a little bit concerned and I felt there was something else going on with him. Um, After several visits to the doctor, Um, several diagnoses of an ear infection. Um, He kept getting sicker and sicker to the point where he stopped eating. Um, And when he stopped eating, that's when I knew that something was seriously wrong with him. So I took him to the pediatrician on April 3rd, 2017. At that moment, he had a fever of 103. Um, They told me to take him to the nearest hospital because they weren't sure what exactly was going on with him. At this point, he was very lethargic. Um, and very clingy. So I went to the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters. And by this time, I was very upset and angry because I kept getting the runaround with his health. Um, so what I did was I told the person at the desk that I needed to see someone immediately, that my son had been sick um, for a couple days now, and no one seems to know what's going on with him. So I finally got but to the back in triage room seven. I'll remember it just like yesterday. And I told the doctor that I'm not leaving here till you figure out what is wrong with my child. I said, I don't want to hear that he has an ear infection or a viral infection. I said, look at his stomach. It looks kind of big. Um, at first, they thought that maybe he had some stools. Um, but I said, no, he's not constipated. There's no stools there. He always pooped. So they did um, a chest x-ray and they saw a mass. Um, at this time they decided to do an ultrasound and they saw a mass as well. So at this point they came back in the room and asked me to call my husband 
um, to come to the hospital. Uh, my husband was not available at this moment. And unfortunately, my phone was dying and then I was at about 10%. So you guys know how that red little battery light pops up and it's like the end of the world for you. So now I don't have a charger. I don't have connected to the outside world because now I'm getting worried because people are coming in and out examining him. And then finally, we did a CT scan and they found a mask that was about nine inches long and it was confirmed that my child had cancer. Um, at the moment of his diagnosis, I was alone. Um, my husband could not um, answer the phone at the moment because he was at work. And the doctors um, asked me if I could get him to come to the hospital. And I couldn't get him to the hospital because I couldn't reach him at that moment. And I told the doctor, whatever it is that you can tell me, I'm pretty sure that I can handle it. But what I didn't know was that she was going to tell me that my child has cancer. So my whole entire world has shifted since April the 3rd, 2017, and he was diagnosed with stage three high-risk neuroblastoma. I'm so sorry you went through that. That's horrible. But it goes to show you, not just during diagnosis, but during the whole thing, how important it is for parents to be an advocate. And is David considered a survivor? He is a survivor. He has been in remission for a year and a half. Um, we are right now doing a trial medication called DFMO, which is something new that they're doing. They've been doing this for the last couple of years, but he was a candidate for him. And he takes a pill every day to stay in remission. And as of right now, he has had a clear scans for the last year and a half. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I didn't realize that they even had those pills to make sure they stay in rem remission, but that's fantastic. And it seems like, I kind of said this before that you had so many obstacles to get him diagnosed. Were there any other obstacles that you faced? Well, I think the the obstacle that I had is with the fact that someone would listen to me, that a professional or a family member would listen to what I was saying and actually do a little bit more than what they were doing. I felt like there should have been more blood work, more uh, urinalysis, more tests, and for them to just to hear what I was saying. I know that they're professional, but at the same time, when you're dealing with um, a doctor that has all this education, although the caregiver is saying, I see these symptoms, and although they don't see it, I feel like it was almost like I, my voice was not heard. Like what I was saying wasn't important. And that was difficult for me. So I kind of internalized everything and make, try to make myself believe that what I was seeing wasn't what I was seeing. But I was still in the process of trying to process what I was seeing and thinking, well, maybe it's just me. Um, maybe I'm just overreacting as a parent. Maybe I'm paranoid. It kind of put those feelings back inside me when really that wasn't the case. It was the fact that I, I did see what I did see. It was there. I did speak up about it several times and I felt like I was ignored. So with all of these obstacles and the race issues going on in our country, did you ever assume or think that maybe this had this was a race type of issue? You know, that, that never crossed my mind. I have, I can honestly say that I never thought about that. 
Um, so I can't say that that was um, the case. It, it, it could have been the case, but I wasn't aware of it. I was unable to see that at that moment. That's great because race is such a big issue. Now, you told me you knew this physician beforehand. Did that make it difficult for future treatment yes. and communication yes. with her? It did make it, it made our relationship difficult afterwards because for this physician, I did work for her for a total of six years. Oh, she wow. was a family physician. Yeah, so I did, I was actually her office manager for two and a half years. Um, so she hired me straight out of uh, medical assisting school. I was very young, but um, I felt like we had a bond and relationship as far as, you know, what was going on, you know, when my children, when they did get illness, uh, illness or were sick. And I actually, actually called her on her cell phone after all, after hours when he first started to show the symptoms at that moment. That's nerve wracking. I mean, here you, you have someone that you trust and they're just pushing your opinions aside. Now, I, I'm going to change subjects really quick here because you wrote a book about David's entire journey. So how did that come about? Well, the book, I'm going to say, was kind of by accident. So I was um, journaling. I was given a blank journal in the hospital. Um, it was just uh, lies, nothing on it, just a journal. And I started to write my feelings out. Some of the things that I was unable to explain to someone else. And at that point, I already felt ignored. So I said, well, if anybody's going to listen to me, it's going to be my journal. So I started putting all my feelings and my thoughts and recording his medications, um, recording his visits, recording who I came in contact with in the hospital because I wanted to keep track of who was caring for my son. Because at that moment, all these people mm. are strangers. I've never seen them before. It's the first time coming in contact with them. And now I have to trust you to take care of my son. You're strangers. And when is it okay to hand your child over to a stranger? Mm. It's never okay. Except for in this case, when you want someone to save your child's life. So I started recording everything, anything that looked unusual. I started writing down and I found that general therapy was very therapeutic for me. It was a, it was, I was able to release those feelings on paper. Um, and I would say like towards the end of my journey, um, I went back to the first day of treatment. I wanted to go back and see how far we had come. And I started reading what was in there and I was like, oh my goodness, this has to be released. People need to understand what goes through a mom's or a caregiver's mind during this process. And it was so powerful um, just from me reading what I had dealt with. And I, it was unbelievable. I was like, I can't even believe that I even felt that way. I can't believe that I was even dealing with it. And at the same time, within, you know, trying to graduate, I didn't notify my teachers that my son had this diagnosis. I kept going. I didn't, I wasn't at the stage where I wanted to talk about it, but I was able to graduate. But on the day of my graduation, my aunt, that helped care for my son while he, while I was trying to go to school and everything, she passed away while I was walking across the stage. Oh no. So in my cap and gown, 
leaving my graduation was supposed to be the best day ever. All my family members were at the hospital instead of at the graduation with me. So I had to rush in cap and gown to go say my last words to her because she was already in the ICU. So I never had an opportunity to really grieve at that moment because now I have to care for my son, which is fighting cancer and then trying to be there for my family members of the passing of my aunt. So it was just jumping hurdles. And the only thing that I can do was just write, 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 and just write all day, all night. And then finally, I decided that I needed to release this book. I need to release some of my thoughts so that people can see what it was that I dealt with and how I was able to come from tragedy to triumph. That certainly is tragedy to triumph. I cannot even imagine what you went through. I can't begin to imagine. And it seems like your journal is really what you leaned back on during that time. Yes. I'm so happy that you found solace in writing this journal during your journey. And I hope it inspires listeners out there that this is something they might want to do. Now you turn this into the book. What is the title of the book? The book is called Fighting for King David. And so um, I did a lot of social media um, lives when David was going through treatment. I showed the good, bad, and ugly with childhood cancer because I felt like they needed to see it. This is a real thing. And when they say it's not common, I believe childhood cancer is common. There's too many kids that are being diagnosed. So I decided to show the world what exactly was happening. They went from the beginning of his journey all the way up, up to the end. So fighting for King David, we, the, the title came from because when he was going through treatment, the hashtag would be fighting for King David. So I decided to just put the book fighting for King David because we're still going to be fighting for him for the rest of his life. Although he may be in remission, we still have to go through with the thought in our mind that's a possibility he could relapse. It's a possibility he could have side effects. There's always going to be a possibility of something due to all the treatment that he has had. So that's why I decided to um, do that. And also his name comes from the Bible, um, from King David from the Bible. And I felt like Goliath, his Goliath was cancer. So he slayed the giant, um, which is the Goliath, and he defeat cancer. You know, I really find it amazing that you tied it into the Bible. That's uh, really spiritual. And I admire those people that can get through cancer using spirituality. So that said, I remember you telling me you have a new book coming out. Can you tell me about that? Yes, I am. Um, I currently right now have an unpublished journal, sort of like the format that I had when I was writing in the plain journal. So I kind of have it um, organized where you can write your thoughts, also reflect on your day, also keep track of medication and other important things that you need to keep track of while your child is going through um, cancer treatment. So it's just what helped me, I feel like what helped others as far as journal, I call it journal therapy, because you have to get this stuff out of your system some way, somehow. And studies have shown that mothers suffer from more mental illness than the dads 
after, way after their child has been through treatment. So there has to be a way to detox all those internal feelings and emotions that you go through. Because honestly, I was in survival mode for the whole entire time that my son was going through treatment. And then I was able to finally heal from that. And I'm still healing from it. It's accepting and actually taking a breath to say, hey, I need to process these feelings and not keep them bottled up. That's really fascinating because I had no idea that journaling could tie into the emotions like that and releasing emotions. It makes complete sense, but it never really dawned on me until you said it right now. That said, that is one coping skill. Do you have any other suggestions for parents? And I know the book that you have is going to touch upon some of those things. But for the listeners right now in this episode, can you recommend anything? Yes. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Take deep breaths and live one moment at a time. Do not try to live day by day. Just cherish the moment that you're in and just live in the moment. Do not try to think ahead because that'll be way overwhelming and too much for you. Just take it a little at a time. And also um, get a good support group. Find um, a local mom or or dad that you can connect with that has been so that they can help support you. And also if you have faith to um, pray um, to God to help you through the process because faith, prayer, and worship are the three things that helped me through this journey. And whatever that is that then I think you should dig dig deeper and connect with that to get through this journey because nobody fights this journey alone and it takes a nation to fight childhood cancer and to know that you're not alone. You're absolutely right. Knowing you're not alone is really important. And if you can get out there and join a support group, I recommend that as well. That was extremely helpful for me and Christina. I couldn't have said it any better. And one last thing, how can we get in touch with you? You can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Christy, and that's Chrissy with C-R-I-S-S-Y. You can also email me at Chrissy at gmail.com, or you can um, contact me on Twitter at CJ. The C is in cat, J is in jog, um, and you, that's it. Right, those are three major social media networks that I have. And as for the books, how can we locate those? You can get it off of Amazon or Kindle. And it's called Fighting for King David David by Christina Johnson. Okay, I'll definitely have to check that out. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and chat about these topics. And I hope they help out the listeners. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. This is Rosaria Kozar, your host of Living Risk Anxiety. Please visit my website at www.livingwithanxiety.org and subscribe to my podcast. 